if you can, let's all stand as we sing 465, 465. Please do be seated. Thank you, Ms. Dania. Well, amen. Well, I'm going to start uh, kind of a new series of messages tonight. And I uh, just thought it would be good for us to look into the life of Abraham. And uh, I, do, I think you saw it did pass out some notes. If anybody would like the notes, you're more than welcome to have them. And uh, I printed a few extra copies because uh, I, I, I got a couple illustrations on the back, but you're not going to be able to see them from here, but if you'd like to see them, uh, I, I, I will be glad to uh, print one of these out for you and give it to you. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 11 is where we're going to start. Genesis chapter 11. And I got to tell you, as in any series of messages, it's always kind of exciting to see what the Lord is, is going to do and... and uh, 
and it, it's, it's fun studying for these things. I pray this will be a blessing for you. It was a blessing for me in preparation. But uh, Genesis chapter 11, I kind of want to look at the whole chapter, but I'm going to hope, to be honest with you, that we're a little bit familiar with Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 10, if you will, is, uh, if you will, is, is uh, the introduction of Nimrod, and uh, the, if you will, the, the uh, expansion of the world into nations after the flood, you know, uh, Noah and his sons, it talks about all their descendants and talks about their nations. And later, if you wanted to, you could go back and see where they all landed and, and, and everything like that. It's actually quite a, a profitable study, though, though you're really going to have to do some work to get that one done. But in chapter 11, if you will, he kind of changes gears here. And it talks about the Tower of Babel. It talks about the confusion of the, of the languages. And then, if you will, he develops, if you will, the lineage of Shem. And he introduces us to, arguably you know, the most important character in the Old Testament. I mean, arguably. I mean, you could say Moses, of course. You could say David, perhaps. But Abraham is called the father of the faith or the father of the faithful. And uh, he believed the gospel, the Bible says. And uh, if you will, he became, if you will, a, a model of what it means to live by faith. Okay, we're going to see that here today. But we want to begin, if you will, talking about the life of Abraham. So I'm kind of excited about it. I pray it'll be a blessing. And uh, hopefully, as, as in any time, there's, you know, it's not going, I know, I know. Hopefully there's going to be some new, uh, you know, things new and old as we take and pull out from God's, God's word. Verses 1 through 9, if you will, it talks about how God stat, uh, uh, scattered the tower builders. Let's read that, if you will. Verse 1. The Bible says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a place in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go, go to, and let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. Slime would be tar, if you will. And uh, uh, by the way, a lot of these places like Ur of the Chaldees and Shinar and, and Babel and even things like that, uh, we're not exactly sure where they are, but we're you know basically sure where they are. Okay, uh, they're in Mesopotamia. So Mesopotamia means the land between the rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates, and so. Uh, it help you to separate there, and then uh, east to west, you could figure out a little bit. But the Bible says this, it says, uh, after they took and they made the brick, the Bible says in verse 4, it says, And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Well, by the way, why would you want to do that? I ask you a question, any of y'all want to go to heaven? Now, there's two ways to go. And there is. There's only two ways to go. God's way or man's way. And if you will, they're saying, let's build us a tower unto heaven. Okay? Well, please take this the right way. That's not God's way. I think you can all figure that out. That's man's way. Let's, we're going to go to heaven our way. Okay? Uh, this is a, a great rebellion that's taking place here if you can't see it. The Bible says in verse 5, it says, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. You remember, at the end of the flood, the Bible says the imagination of their heart was only evil continually. That's that same, if you will, phraseology there. And he's concerned, if you will, that they're going to turn their hearts to evil, start doing evil. 
And uh, we'll look at this here in a moment, but what was the result of the last time that happened? <laughs> okay. And uh, the Bible says, uh, verse 7, it says, Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. I will, I will say this, and just in this uh, meditating on this, thinking about this, it, I wonder how far he divided the speech. I mean, did everybody have a different language? Did every family have a different language? It would be interesting for me to know. I, I mean, it, it doesn't really say. It just says they couldn't understand one another's speech. Okay. The Bible says, So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore, the name of it was called Babel, because the Lord did there confound or confuse the language of all the earth. And, uh, and it says, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to open your word, to sing your praises tonight. Thank you for the opportunity uh, that we have because of our health and freedom to assemble here. We just pray, Lord, that uh, you would open our understanding. Father, just help us not to be learners for learning's sake. But Father, help us to be learners that we might be able to minister your word to our families, to our neighbors, to the lost. Father, be with those who are apart from us. You know every need. Meet it according to your perfect will and for your glory. And we'll ask this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And so if you will, in verses 1 through 9, God here scatters the tower builders. Okay, And I told you this, it's because of the rebellion against God that would again lead to their destruction. I said, what happened the first time? Well, it led to the flood. Because the imagination of their heart was only evil continually, and, and because, if you will, they, it just, the wickedness has gotten so bad in the earth, God had to destroy it. Why? I, I've taught this before. It's not the purpose of this message here tonight, but he had to do it so that there could still be a Savior. You all realize this, that uh, Adam and Eve still needed a Savior. You all understand? And, and so we can look back and say, well, Christ has uh, provided salvation. Amen. Well, that hadn't happened up to this point, okay? And so there hadn't been a Savior born. There hadn't been a sacrifice made. There hadn't been an atonement made, okay? And so if you will, God in his grace and in his mercy, a lot of people take and they see the judgment of the flood, uh, that God's an angry God, a terrible God. No, God's a gracious God. He did, uh, he, remember how he, they, when he threw Adam and Eve out of the garden, he put angels to keep the way. And you say, see, keep out. No, no, <laughs> he, he kept the way open. Now, they couldn't go back in because of their sin, amen. But if you will, Satan would have loved to have closed that garden, amen. And I will tell you this, Satan would have loved to have killed everybody even after Noah and said, well, just wipe them all out. He didn't care. But God is a gracious God. He's a loving God. He's always going to keep open and make a way. When Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me, those are some gracious, gracious words. I have maintained the way. I have kept a way for us to take and have relationship. Well, the problem is, is this was very much like Cain's rebellion. What was Cain's rebellion? He said, well, Cain's rebellion wasn't that bad. Well, it was terrible. It was so much so he got upset. And he said, if you're not going to let me sacrifice and, and worship the way I want to, I'll just kill anybody who does. And, I mean, that's exactly what had happened when he killed his brother. You all understand that? Notice what the Bible says, if you will. Go to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to always come back here, so please keep yourself here. But 1 John chapter 3, and the Bible teaches us here in verse 12 about, uh, about Cain. And the Bible says, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one. 
I don't know who's the wicked one, folks. Okay, so how many religions are there in this world? A minute ago, I, I said there's only two ways, if you will. And so if you will, can I just say this? There's only two religions. There's God's way and there's the devil's way. Amen? Now, I'm not, I'm not stretching Scripture to say that. The Bible says the wicked one led him to make that sacrifice. Meaning what? He, he probably whispered in Cain's ear and said, well, you're just as good as, 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 as uh, Abel. You, why don't you, you know, you're a gardener, you're, you're a farmer. Why don't you take the fruit of your labor and go impress God with that? No, I'm, I'm just telling you that Satan loves to take and whisper in people's ears. Amen. Uh, by the way, anybody know what I'm talking about? Can I ask you a question? Has Satan ever whispered in your ear? Can I tell you, it would be good for you to say, get thee hence, Satan. Amen. Ask the Lord to come and deliver you from that. Amen. Uh, evil thoughts or negative thoughts or angry thoughts at other people. Come on now. Amen. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, what? So is he. And so when the Bible says, if you will, thou shalt not murder. Well, I never killed anybody. What did you ever think about it? And the whole point is this, is, is you'll never do it if you don't think about it. And God says, let's nip that thing in the bud before it ever becomes an action, amen. And I will promise you this, that we still deal with those things today, meaning when a thought or a wrong thought, and by the way, when the wrong thought comes, that's kind of like Satan whispering, but then you also have the God in your heart going, don't act on that. Don't say those things to your kid. Don't say that to your wife. Come on now, Amen. Don't, don't say that to a church member. Don't say that to a lost person. Amen? And, and, and so, if you will, uh, there's that constant battle for the mind that's going on. And it describes it here, I believe, here even. Uh, again, in verse 12, keep reading. It says, Not as Cain, who is of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Meaning this, he was angry because because. You know, if you will, Abel was that goody two-shoes, and I want to do it my way, and, and God's not pleased with my way. And so he killed him, okay? Notice, uh, go uh, a little bit farther, uh, go to the book of Jude. Look at verse 11. Jude, verse 11. The Bible says, Woe unto them, for they have gone, say it with me, in the way of Cain. Well, folks, what's the other way? Jesus' way. I mean, I'm not trying to be too clever here, but when Jesus again said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Cain says, no, I'll take another way. Well, please take this the right way. All other ways lead to hell. All other ways lead to death. All other ways lead to destruction. All other ways lead to hatred. All other ways lead to murder. And you say, oh, you're, you're embellishing. No, I'm not. It's nearly the first story in the whole Bible, amen? God is trying to... Make a point. He says, there's my way and there's your way. By the way, look at the fruit of my way. Even if you don't agree with it, look at the fruit of my way and then look at the fruit of your way. Okay? And so God makes it abundantly clear. And so if you will, uh, what we're seeing here with, with uh, the Tower of Babel is man's rebellion against God. Notice how the Bible describes it. Go to Genesis chapter 10. Genesis chapter 10. Abigail, are you in the back? In Genesis chapter 10, look at verse 8. Could you get me a water, huh? Thank you. In Genesis chapter 10, verse 8, notice what the Bible says. It says, And Cush begat Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one in the earth. Now, why are, why are we reading about Nimrod? Well, Nimrod's the one that built the Tower of Babel, okay? He did a lot of things. He was a great builder, if you will. Thank you. 
And the Bible says here, it says, and he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Now, folks, uh, you really kind of need to study that one out because it sounds like, boy, he, he made a, himself famous because he was just such a good hunter. No, it, it's literally talking about him hunting against God, fighting or battling against God, okay? Does a, does a hunter carry a weapon? Okay, and so that's kind of the metaphor. And when it says before, that can also be against, okay? And so it's kind of, he's, he was fighting against God all the time. Now, maybe it wasn't with a bow and arrow or what, I don't know. But he was constantly fighting against God, very much like Cain was doing, okay? And so he was an enemy of God. And so what he said is, he says, we're going to build this tower and make a name for ourselves. By the way, how many of y'all have ever heard the name Nimrod? Did it work? Yeah, well, it did. He made a name for himself. Listen, we're still reading about it today, and I'll promise you this. We'll probably know about it for all of eternity. Amen? And so he made a name for himself. Yeah, the only problem is he made a name for himself as a rebel, as a child of hell, as a child of the devil. Amen? And so if you will, uh, this person here, he says, I'm going to take and make a name for myself. Well, how did he do that? Keep reading in chapter 10. Notice all the things that he did. Look at verse 9. The Bible says, and he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Okay, verse 10. And the beginning of his, what's the Bible say? First king in the Bible. Okay? By the way, who's supposed to be the king? God is. All right? And so he said, no, I'm going to have my kingdom. All right? And so he started building his kingdom. And it says, was Babel. You can imagine Babylon uh, came from that. But it, it, anyhow, here it's Babel and Eric and Akkad and Kalna and the land of Shinar. And out of that went forth Asher, okay, and, and builded Nineveh, okay. That's the Assyrians. And they built Nineveh, that wicked city. The Bible says the city of Rehoboth and Kala. And uh, uh, again, 12 uh, uh, Nineveh and Kala, verse 13, Mitzrayim. You see Mitzrayim there? Anybody know what those cities are? Well, let me break it down for you here, okay? Babel's Babylon. Nineveh is the Assyrian Empire. You guys familiar? Okay. Uh, Mitzrayim. Anybody know what Mitzrayim is? Mitzrayim is Egypt. Okay. By the way, I want you to think about what do you know about Babylon and what do you know about Assyria and what do you know about Egypt? What's their relationship with God? They hate God. They're enemies of God. Okay? Uh, look at verse 17. See if you can see a city there or, or a nation there. Look at the end of verse 17. Anybody know what's, who the Sinites are? You might know this one. The Sinites are the Chinese, folks. By the way, what do you know about the Chinese? Is that a Christian country? I'm reading a book right now about the underground church in China. And uh, it's an interesting book so far. But uh, what do you, uh, else do you think of? How about the idolatry and the dragons? And the, You guys got that? Okay. So notice, idols, 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 idols. And then he finishes off in verse 18 talking about all the Canaanites. And how wicked were the Canaanites? Folks, they were so wicked that God had to utterly destroy them and remove them from the land. All of them were idol worshipers. We're going to talk about that here in just a second, okay? But notice, if you will, all of that started from one man, Nimrod. And he says, I'm going to build a name, and I'm going to build a city, and I'm going to take people to heaven. Amen? By the way, what does the Antichrist do at the end of the day? He's going to say, fall down and worship me. Why? Because I'm God. 
and I can take and I can give you food and I can get you to heaven and I can give you peace and, and come on folks, the, the battle has never changed. It's always been the same from the beginning. Amen? Nothing new under the sun. That's what the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes. And so we see it right here. And so uh, we see that this is a rebellion, a rebellious work. And so they had different languages, okay? But I want you to notice this. After, after he confounded their language, they all had different languages, but they all had the same religion. I'm going to talk about that here in just a second, okay? I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. But they all had the same religion, okay? And I'll, I'll prove this to you here in just a minute, okay? Now, why did God scatter them then? Look what the Bible says in chapter 11, verse 4 again. And the Bible says, he says, we're going to go down and we're going to scatter them. Why? Because in verse 6, and the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them from which they have imagined to do. And you remember, again, I said the imagination of their heart, again, was going to be only evil continually. By the way, can you be evil and not be that bad? You think I'm asking you a trick question? I'm asking you a question on purpose. Can you be evil and not that bad? Can I tell you this? There's some wonderfully religious people out there that serve people and they give to charity and they help the homeless and they do some wonderful works and then they tell you that there's another way to heaven besides Jesus Christ. Are they evil people? Come on now. We got to see things from God's perspective here. And so a lot of times when you take and you call something evil and say, oh, look at all the charity and all the wonderful works and you guys don't do this. And, 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 and they'll take and they'll defend themselves to say, yeah, but you're pointing people the wrong way. And so God said, I've got to scatter them. Why? Can you imagine people living at this point? They're still living over 200 years. Some of them are living 500 years still. Okay. And you have 500 years to learn and to grow and to pursue evil. How many of y'all think you might be able to think up some pretty evil stuff? Amen. And so God says this. He said, I'm going to take and I'm going to make them spread out. Okay. And so uh, how many of y'all know we all came from cavemen? Y'all didn't pay attention to school very well. Uh, folks, we didn't start out as cavemen. You know what we started out as? Stonemasons who could build amazing things. I want you to think about that because I'm going to make a point with it here in a second. Uh, how many of y'all have ever seen the pyramids? And have you guys ever seen some of the Mayan temples down in, 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 in South America, the Aztec temples? And, and uh, they, uh, right now, archaeology is a huge thing, and they're digging up all these ancient sites. They're getting stuff under under the oceans and they're digging up whole places and I tell you what they're finding they're finding stone masonry that we don't have the ability to do today they were master masons they were they were able to take and to lay stone that was so tight that it was airtight you can it was literally airtight stone masonry and so you, you could take and you could look at it and go man they did some amazing stuff that we can't duplicate today Folks, we didn't start out as cavemen. We start out, out as brilliant creations of God who turned their energy and intellect unto evil. And God said, no more. 
Because if you keep pursuing it, just like you did before, I'm going to have to wipe you out. And God's not willing that any should perish. And please take this the right way. But we went physically, intellectually, morally, culturally down. And I'll promise you, if you're interested in archaeology at all, they are digging up some amazing cities today that you look at and think, man, who built them things? Them things is amazing. It's, it, and, and you just couldn't do it today. Uh, for, for the building materials or just any number of reasons that couldn't be, people can't work that hard today. Honest. And, and so you look at the height of this culture, and, and, and we don't even think about it because it's just like, oh, it's just in the past. I don't, I don't need to know the past. Well, boy, that's kind of a stupid thing to say because those who fail to learn from the past are doomed to repeat it. Okay? So my whole point is this, is man went from this brilliant, brilliant people to where literally culture had to start all over again. Why? Because God says you're not speeding towards destruction again. And man, if you will, fell from its, if you will, a very impressive state to what they would call cavemen today. Why? They had to flee. They, had, they couldn't talk to one another. Amen? And so the ones who could talk to one another, they, they took and they went off and they, they went that way and 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 no more master building programs. Okay? Uh, I promise you to this day, those cities are far more impressive than any city you've ever seen. Those cities then were more impressive. Anybody been to Washington, D.C.? And all the marble and all the, uh, all, the, all the architecture and everything like that. Folks, half of that stuff, they stole the designs. Egypt, you guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay. Why? Because they were the masters, we're the students. You all understand? And so if you will, God took and he spread them out. I want you to think about this for a second. What was the Tower of Babel? It was just a big tall tower. Okay. Well, most people believe that the, the Tower of Babel was a step pyramid, okay? Because the Bible says, what did they do? They took and they made stone, they baked it, they laid it, and then they put tar or slime between, and it would take and hold it up, okay? By the way, it's a similar way as the way they made the ark, okay? The ark was made the similar way. And if you will, uh, it, it had staying power. We're still digging up some of those things, Okay? Now, I will promise you this, if you think about it here. Um, there are step pyramids on every continent. And some of you might be paying attention here and say, well, surely not every continent. Is there one that maybe there shouldn't be one? Come on, guys, help me out here. Antarctica, yeah. Now, listen, take this with a grain of salt. But this is a pyramid in Antarctica. And you take it for a grain of salt. But folks, Antarctica is what they call the lost continent. And it was known about for years, and I don't want to go into it. It's a very interesting study. But Antarctica is very interesting. And you look at that, and they say, well, that's just a mountain. Well, maybe. But I know this. There are step pyramids on every continent. In Africa, in Asia, 
in North, in North America and in South America. Folks, there are these pyramids everywhere. And you say, well, how in the world did they know about pyramids? What were they building when they had to scatter? Folks, what do you do when you leave home? Well, please take this the right way. You probably pursue the same things that you were raised up in. All right? And what was the purpose for them? They were for religious worship. Uh, folks, they're finding more and more pyramids through a technology called LIDAR. Anybody know what LIDAR is? You know, you ever heard of radar? Well, radar, you can tell how fast something is coming or you can see where it is and the shape and everything like that. LIDAR can actually look down underneath the ground and underneath trees. And what they do is they fly over an area and they shoot the LIDAR down and they can see ancient structures underneath these, these rainforests down in South America. And everybody says, what happened to the Mayas, if you've ever heard that? Well, folks, they're flying over what used to be Maya land that has been overgrown with jungle, okay? And they're saying, there's a pyramid right there. There's a city right there. There's a temple right there. And they can literally, once they, you know, of course, you can't kill the rainforest. <laughs> you guys understand? But the whole point is this, is folks, there are pyramids everywhere. And guess what? The same religion they were promoting is everywhere, okay? Now, what did I ask you a second ago? Think about all the most idolatrous uh, nations that you've ever seen. Would Babylon be one of those? Would Egypt be one of those? Would China and the East be one of those? And folks, if you look at them, they all have things amazingly in common. Why? Because that's what they took from that Tower of Babel. And they spread it all over the world, amen? Now I want you to think about this. This can be easily explained uh, in a number of ways. One of which is this, is how many of y'all think they knew how to sail? I mean, come on, folks. Noah got there on an ark. <laughs> Okay. I, I, now I know it was just a I know it was just a box that floated, okay? But uh that's what the other picture is right there. The other picture, as far as I understand, I was looking for a different map. But uh supposedly that's the oldest map in the world. It's called the Babylonian uh it's called the Babylonian uh map of the world, okay? It has another name, but it's Babylonian map of the world. And that's what that's a picture of right there. And you know what's interesting about it? it? It has the land of Babylon, okay? And it's surrounded by what is called bitter water. Today we would call that salt water, okay? And so if you will, they knew about both oceans, okay? Now, I've actually seen other maps, and I couldn't find it because, to be quite honest with you, I'm not sure they wanted me to find it. How many of you all know they kind of skew Google searches sometimes? Okay, but um, I'll, I'll find it and I'll, I'll remember it if you're interested. But uh, folks, how many of y'all think Columbus really thought he was going to sail off the edge of the world? That's nonsense. He had maps. He had maps that actually had uncharted territory on them. And they say, how could they have known them without the ability to see from the air? Okay, now you take that wherever you want to. My whole point is this. What I tell you, ancient man was more advanced than we are. Went to that very unadvanced, and now we're kind of building back up. You all understand that? And folks, they literally have maps that there's no way the people who were using them could have produced them. Okay? Now, I'm not trying to be uh, conspiratorial. I'm trying to tell you 
that there is evidence that there was a Babel Tower and that it spread out, it spread its religion, amen? It spread its architecture, and all you got to do is go to South America and you can see the same designs. You can see the same gods and goddesses carved into their walls. I promise you, you can see it if you're interested, okay? And my whole point, you say, how in the world did that happen? I'll tell you how it happened. The Bible is true. The Bible's true. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist. You don't have to get too weird thinking all these things. You just say, you know what? That fits the evidence God gave to me in my Bible. Amen. And it gives you a stronger or more confident faith. And so, if you will, uh, if you're ever interested in that, I think you'll enjoy it. Now, I will say this. Their religion and their idolatry also spread. Like I said, they had common gods, common legends, and common imagery and it's too obvious to deny. If you ever study it, you'll see it, okay? But uh, in the Catholic Church, what's one of the biggest images? Think about the most common image. Mary and what? It's always Mary and Jesus. It's always the mother and the child, okay? And there's a mythology about it in every religion. And I promise you, in the Babylonian religion, they had, um, uh, I wrote it down, um, I didn't write it down. Tamas and uh, one other, anyhow. In, uh, in Greek religion, it was called Gaia and Uranus. Uh, how about the resurrected son? By the way, is there a resurrected son in our Bible? In, in uh, Egyptian mythology, it was called Osiris' murder by his brother Set, and he was given birth by his wife Isis, and uh, he was resurrected from the dead, amen, and then she married her son, all right? And so, if you will... Uh, that same Catholic nonsense that they teach, has it's an ancient religion. It's ancient, and they just put Christian names to it. Amen. How about Noah's Ark? Can I just tell you this? Noah's Ark is in other religions. You guys ever heard of Hinduism? In Hinduism, Noah's and his family are known as Manu and the Seven Sages. Okay? And whereby they took and they saved the seed from before the flood and the knowledge of the old culture. And by the way, think about this. All you got to do is put Noah, his three sons, their wives, and his wife, and you get the same exact thing. What's saving the seed? Folks, that's mankind. Come on, uh, saving the knowledge. Folks, they brought all that knowledge, boat building and all the pre-flood technology and everything like that. And that's why those uh, races immediately after the flood, they were able to build those spectacular things. Of course, then, it, you know, as they spread out and it got more depraved, it became less and less and less and less. Amen. And folks, it's just easy to see if, if you're looking for it. And so, if you will, we see that God scattered the, the tower builders. If you're interested in stuff like that, that is a very fun thing to study. But notice again, go to Genesis chapter 11, look at verse 10, okay? And if you will, in Genesis chapter 11 and verse 10, what we see here is that God maintained a line of faith, all right? I want you to think about this. When did uh, the fall happen with Adam and Eve? But then when, when did man start to rebel against God? Cain, okay? And if you will, Cain slowly but surely, if you will, convinced all the world except Noah and his family. And the Bible says that Noah found grace in the sight of God. Amen? And so Noah finding grace in the sight of God, if you will, God said, I can bless you. I can give grace to you. I can save the world through you. You guys know the story of Noah? Well, folks, after the flood, he had to find somebody else to do that. Okay? 
And if you will, it, it's a very interesting study, but go through and you can see it, it, it highlights from, the, from Adam all the way down to Noah. And if you look at all the names of the people in that line, from Adam to Noah, it takes and it gives a gospel message. It does. It's a, it's a fun study. But my whole point is this. Noah was the man with a way out of the coming judgment. He built an ark, okay? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, by doing that, he saved his family, amen, and then his family saved the world. Y'all with me? And so, by faith, he found grace, he saved his family, and they saved the world. Amen. Well, what did God do with Abraham? Go to Genesis chapter 12, look at verse 1. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Look at this here in a second. The Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, that we were studying our Bibles, right? We should pay attention to words. The Lord had said. Okay? That's, that's important to catch. Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee, what's the Bible say? A great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Just like it was for Noah. Noah, if you will, was able to save mankind, save humanity, because of the grace that he had found, and then how he had raised his family. By the way, he had three sons and three daughters-in-laws that followed him in the faith. Amen? Now, Abraham would become that person for, I'm going to use a fancy word here, antediluvian world, okay? Think about this. Diluvian means destruction or the storm, if you will, the flood, okay? Anti means after, okay? So antediluvian means after the flood, all right? The only reason I give you that is sometimes you might read that in a book and wonder what it means, okay? And so that's what it means. It means after the flood. And then how did he raise his family, okay? How did Abraham raise his family? Why did God choose Abraham? Uh, I preached this earlier, so I'm not going to preach it again. But folks, considerable periods of time have, have passed, okay? But you remember how from Adam to Noah, they pretty much knew Adam. And from Seth down to Abraham here, they all kind of knew Seth. Seth could tell them what it was like and everything like that. So there was a link, if you will, to being able to know God. And then it kind of changes gears with a Abram here, okay? Now look, in Genesis chapter 18, look at verse 17. God tells us why he chose Abram. In Genesis chapter 18 and verse 17, God's getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he asks this question. He says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and a mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him. Say, uh, see this with me, if you will. Don't have to say it. But that he will command his children and his household after him. Meaning what? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Or believe on the Christ. Or believe on the seed. Believe on the Savior. Believe on the promises of God. Whatever you want to say. Amen. And they shall keep or guard the way of the Lord. Okay? Remember how the angels are guarding the... Uh, the tree of life, that's that same word, okay? They're going to guard, if you will, the way of the Lord. They're going to make it so that people still know about how to get to God. Amen? That's what it says right there. 
says to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abram uh, that which he has spoken of him. Meaning what? The promise that he was going to have a son. And by the way, you remember, it really wasn't about Isaac. It was about who Isaac pictured. Take thy son, thine only son, Isaac, and sacrifice him to me. And when he went to go to sacrifice him, God said, not so. And the Lord, what's the Bible says? The Lord provided himself a lamb for the sacrifice. Meaning this, Abram, I just wanted you to have faith. I'll take care of the payments. I'll take care of the payments. Amen. You just need to show people the way to heaven. What is the way to heaven? Believe on him whom he hath sent. Amen. And so, if you will, Abraham, I'm going to take, and I'm going to, and it shows, if you will, the genealogy that leads down to Abraham. This is the man I'm going to use to save the world, amen? Or at least to bring the one who does, okay? So, if you will, uh, I, I, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 5. I want you to see something here. I'm going to ask you a question now. How important is it for us to raise our children in the faith? Can I tell you, you we live in a world today that, that parents like to take a pass and say, we're going to let our children decide. Usually that comes from a home where the mother and the father don't have the same faith. Now I'm going to say this again, but how many ways are there to heaven? There's only one. So don't argue about faith. You can, if you want to argue about religion, okay, you can argue. By the way, somebody said two, and that's right. There's two ways, but choose the right one. Amen, okay? But please take this the right way. If you think that's an okay philosophy, you need to rethink that. Why? Well, why was God going to bless Abraham? He said it right there, because I know he'll raise his children. Did I read the verse that said that? He's going to raise his children in this way. Amen. And that's why I chose him. I could have chosen anybody, but I know he's going to command his children to follow me. Amen. Okay. Well, notice what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 13. Matthew chapter 5. In verse 13, and the Bible says this, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but the salt hath lost its savor. Wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under foot of men. Somebody just preached that, didn't they? Amen. Lawrence had the opportunity to do devotion the other night at our house, and this was his text. And basically it's talking about this. Folks, God put us in the world so that we could be salt and light. And without salt and light, this world has no hope. Can I just tell you this? Your first greatest responsibility is to teach your children how important it is, not only to be Christians, but to be salt and light. Somebody sent it out this week, and it had two kids with earbuds in their long hair, earbuds, you know, cut up jeans and flip-flops. I don't, I don't know. It's kind of what the picture was. And the man, one of them was world and the other one was church. And the man from the world took and said to the other one, says, who's influencing who? 
please take this the right way, but popular churches today look more like the world than they look like Christ. Amen. He said, well, we don't want to be offensive. I'm going to let you in a little secret. When you tell somebody they're going to hell, that's offensive. Amen. And, and, and I will tell you this, that we curl up and, and we become intimidated. We say, oh, I can't say anything. I'll lose my friends. I, w- I wonder how many friends Noah lost. Please take this the right way. The closest ones he lost were doing this. Let me in. Let me in. It was too late. Abraham. There's one way. There's one name. Amen. Please take this the right way, guys. We need to learn the lesson of this message with Abraham. Why did he choose Abraham? I'll tell you why he chose Abraham. It's because Abraham made a commitment. I'm going to teach my children to follow. Did they follow? Yeah, they did. You know why I know that? It's because whenever they talk about the God he worshipped, they talk about the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. Amen? And those who he could have influenced, he did influence. And please take this the right way. But they're still influencing. Folks, I'm just telling you, it's not good enough to know that you're just going to heaven. Because God wants us to be salt and light in the world. Why did God pick Abraham? Can I say that? That same question can apply to you. Any of y'all glad you're going to heaven? You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to keep people from going to hell. Amen. I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm trying to teach you the lesson from the text. Why did he choose Abraham when he could have chosen anybody else? Folks, he chose Abraham because he knew he would teach his children to follow him and to teach others about Christ. Amen. We see, if you will, that God scattered the tower builders. God maintained a line of faith. And then God took the faithful out. You know, the Bible tells us that we shouldn't be in the world. We're, we're in the world, but not of the world. Okay, Meaning this, we shouldn't be worldly. right? So that's when people tell you that you know, you're, you're not going to be able to relate with people unless you, know, you drop your standards a little bit, drop, drop your message a little bit. Well, please take this the right way. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be clever. But that's the same thing that they said about us 20 years ago when we were homeschooling our kids. Y'all remember that? And the biggest criticism was this. If you don't socialize your children, your children are going to be weird. Have you seen what goes to public school today? Breaks my heart. Mindy and I were watching something the other day and we weren't trying to be ugly, but we just said, is that a man or a woman? We didn't know. There's a commercial on TV right now that says when your pronouns are they and them, and it has a picture of somebody, and you're not sure if it's a girl or a guy. And they're doing the commercial on purpose. And they say, they say well, if you don't put your kids in school, they're not going to be socialized, and they're going to be weird. no. What the Bible says is a better word. They're going to be peculiar. And can I tell you this? Peculiar is a good word. It means you stand out because you're different. And, and so many people say, I don't want to be different. 
And God says, I, I save the ones who are going to raise their kids to be different. It's not part of my message, but I'll tell you this. Sometimes kids get sideways with parents because, well, I can't do this, I can't do that. Please take this the right way. Maybe it's because they love the Lord enough to say, God wants me to raise you to be a witness. And you can't be a witness if you're like everybody else. He took the faithful out. The Bible says in, in Genesis chapter 11, verse 31, that he took Terah out first. And I will tell you this, that quite often Terah gets a bad rap. They say, well, he was an idolater. And the Bible does tell us in, jo in uh, Joshua chapter 24 and verse 2 that he was an idolater. idolater. But you know what? The Bible also says Abraham was an idolater. Amen. A lot, and so a lot of people say, well, 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 Abraham had to take him to, uh, to uh, what's the name of the city, Haran, so that he could die, and then, then he could follow. You're reading into the text. You know what the Bible says? Who let him out? The Bible says it was Terah that let him out. Terah let him out. Please take this the right way. In a sense, you know what I think? I think they looked at all the idolatry and they looked at all the wickedness and they said, man, we got to find some place to go. Anybody here ever contemplated moving to a different country because this one's too wicked? Well, if you've never done it, the election's coming. All kinds of people are going to say it in the next six months. <laughs> okay? And they had to look around and say, we can't live here anymore. It's, it's too wicked. And the Bible tells you in, in chapter 10 or, or 11 that Terah led them out. The only problem is he wasn't the man of promise. And so, if you will, he got to a city called Haran and died there. Doesn't say because of his wickedness. Doesn't say because he was an idolater. It just said that he took his family and they were going to go to Canaan. And they got about a third or a halfway there and he died. And then the Bible says in chapter 12 and verse 1, he says, And as he had said to Abram, come thee out from thy kindred and thy land to a place that I will show you. And then, if you will, Abraham said, okay, we can go from Haran into Canaan the promised land. I, I don't know, I don't know if, if Terah was a man of faith. I suspect he was. I mean, just studying this today, I suspect that he was a man of faith. But if you will, not everybody who wants to do something can do it. Did, did Moses want to go into the promised land? Absolutely. And you know what God said? You can't do it. Why? Well, your picture doesn't fit the picture I need people to see. You see, I'm going to let Joshua take him in. Yahashua, Greek, Jesus. See, Jesus, there's one name under heaven given among men by we must be saved or delivered or rescued. And, and so, if you will, he says, Moses, you're associated with the law, and the law can't take you in. You can't go in. And you can give all the other reasons, but that's, that's the biggest reason, okay? And he says, no, Joshua, okay, Yahashua, Jesus, is going to take him in. Amen. And he's also the one that said, yeah, our father Abraham and Terah, his father, were idolaters. But in verse 15, he says, uh, don't, don't worship the gods on the other side. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house. Excuse me? As for me and what? 
Folks, the Bible, when it describes them starting their journey, it was Terah in his house. It was Terah in his house. Because he took his sons, Abraham and Nahor, and, and, and the one died, and so he took his nephew Lot, and if you will, it was him leading his family out. But then Abram was the one. What do I want to see from that? Well, I will tell you this. A minute ago I said, parents, it's important for you. It's important for you to raise your children and nurture in the admonition of the Lord, understanding that they need to be salt and light in this world. But please take this the right way. Our day to die is coming. Our day of understanding and influence is waning. And folks, it's going to be the next generation. Amen. Can I just say this? Look around, because there's some dear people here to you. Any of y'all have some dear people you can't wait to see in heaven? And their day ended and yours started. And to be quite honest with you, we're all just a bunch of relay runners getting ready to pass the torch. And folks, all you young people, you're going to have to reach back and we're going to need to depend on you. We can't take you into the next decade. You've got to take and grab it and go. Amen. And folks, I think there's some wonderful pictures here in uh, Genesis chapter 11. We'll start with Genesis chapter 12 next week. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to open your word. Grow us in our understanding. Challenge us. In our